blows my wig quite like the keen sounds of a doghouse and gobble pie pitching woo to the beats of a skin tickler. Oh, come on, don't be a tin ear. This platter is a ring-a-ding-ding, baby. Man, they talked weird back then. Speak to me, bro. Oh yeah, I know. Tonight's party is gonna be lit AF. I am low-key excited to get turned up. We gonna get savage tonight. Hit me later with the DM, fam. Stay woke. Welcome to Game Theory, the thickest show in gaming. That's thick with four C's, a K, and a silent Q-U-E. If you're looking for a break from these... Place. In a year full of great games, Cuphead is easily one of the best, or at least best from a gameplay standpoint. On the theorizability side, there seems to be a little less meat on the bone. I mean, the story seems pretty darn straightforward. Our heroes Cuphead and Mugman find themselves in hot water with the devil after gambling their souls away. Since neither of them really want to lose their souls, they strike a deal with the devil and are sent out to collect soul contracts from the other inhabitants on the island to give the devil his due. It's all pretty cut and dry, but before you go running off to your kitchen to explain the dangers of the real world to your cutlery, I'm about to let you in on a secret that will completely shatter the way that you perceive our heroic bowl-headed boys. For as innocent and heroic as Cuphead, Mugman, and Elder Kettle may seem, they're actually no better than the devil himself. When you look at the evidence, it is clear that these three are active criminals, participating in an industry of sin. Not gambling like the devil and King Dice, but instead illegal alcohol sales. That's right, Cuphead, Mugman, and Elder Kettle are all moonshiners, smack dab in the middle of Prohibition. Okay, so you're probably wondering just how in inkwell hell did I figure that one out. So let's take a big gulp of liquid from our heads and start looking at the game. First, it's immediately obvious that this game is set in the 1930s. I mean, if the animation and music didn't already tip you off, the game reminds us of its setting very frequently. <laughs> already covered this era of animation in our analysis of Bendy and the Ink Machine to death, so no need to belabor the point here, but on this subject, here's a really fun fact. When called out on Twitter for the inconsistent coloring of Cuphead's hands and shoes, sometimes white, sometimes yellow, brown, even the color of their shorts, the makers of the game, Studio MDHR, responded that it was to mimic the inconsistent coloring practices used by cartoons at the time. It's just another reason to absolutely love this game and its attention to detail. Anyway, the reason I bring up the setting of the game is because it has everything to do with the devil's evil scheme on Inkwell Isle and how Cuphead fits into that. You see, between 1929 and 1939, the world as a whole suffered from the Great Depression, an economic crisis that began in the United States with a crashing stock market, but had devastating effects on markets around the world. In the U.S., the unemployment rate would eventually rise to 24.75%, which meant that out of a workforce of 51 million people, 12 million people people were left jobless. It was so bad that the US dollar wouldn't be worth a whole dollar again until 1944. So you had prices rising, the dollar losing its value, and people losing faith in the government to help with this job crisis. With no hope in sight, people started to look for hope in other 
places, like a big win on the craps table or at the bottom of a stiff drink. Tobacco, alcohol, and gambling all saw huge upswings during this period, and thus America saw the rise of what became known as the sin industries. Businesses that got their name by exploiting human addiction to less than savory practices. Think it's a coincidence that the casino in Cuphead is run by the devil? Absolutely not. In fact, the Las Vegas we know today owes itself to the sin industry boom of the 1930s. The legalization of essentially all forms of gambling happened in 1931. Everything from slot machines to cards to craps. And where have we seen all of those before? Oh yeah, across Inkwell Isle. Tobacco use, meanwhile, took on a completely different tone from how we perceive it today. Cigars were associated with tough guys, while smoking cigarettes was meant to make you look sophisticated and refined. Now look how we see smoking portrayed throughout Inkwell Isle. On the gambling boat with Ribby and Croaks, we see classy ladyflies in the background. And if you can make it out behind the fight with Mr. Wheezy, a living cigar, you'll see twisted images of mysterious men in trench coats all smoking together. And again, both those fights are tied to gambling in some way, and by proxy, the devil. This is the 1930s, Sin Industries. But of the three sin industries during this era, the most interesting was alcohol. Because this was smack dab in the middle of Prohibition. For those of you who don't know, the Prohibition was a ban on alcohol that happened between 1920 and 1933 in the U.S. It was a governmental effort to reduce crime, solve social issues, and make Americans healthier by ceasing the production and spread of this so-called devil's drink. But it actually just ended up doing the exact opposite. Organized crime and gang violence surged during this period, as underground booze trafficking became big business. It was just a total failure across the board. Just because it was illegal, people were still finding ways. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market days to get a hold of their alcohol and if you pay attention to all the little details in cuphead you'll notice that the only places you see alcohol are in areas owned by the devil the aforementioned gambling boat and the devil's casino where you actually throw fisticuffs <laughs> fisticuffs couldn't resist fisticuffs against whiskey rum and a martini but remember this is 1930 it is literally in the middle of prohibition all of this is illegal it would make sense for the devil to be breaking those anti-alcohol laws, but it would be something else entirely for poor, innocent Cuphead to be doing it. Sadly, though, that's exactly what he's doing. Cuphead, Mugman, and Elder Kettle, heroes by day, and moonshiners by night. Moonshiner was the name given to someone who made home-brewed illegal alcohol during the Prohibition. And while many were unsuccessful, and I mean really unsuccessful, we're talking 65,000 people dying from poisoned liquor in one year levels of unsuccessful. Eventually, the science did become refined enough that alcoholic beverages were being produced that didn't necessarily need to include may cause death.
death on the label. Since making the stuff was illegal, most moonshiners tended to work far into the woods, near a water source, and in places that only they would know how to get to. You can make moonshine using practically anything, but at its most basic, all you need is a pan, a kettle, and a rubber hose. Once you have your juice, it would be placed into jugs, marked by X's to indicate how many times they were distilled, aka how much punch your moonshine was packing, and then they were delivered in secret to various businesses. From there, it would be common for your drink to be served by tea kettle or coffee pot into a teacup or coffee mug to avoid suspicion. Now where have I seen all those things before? Moonshine, made using a kettle, served in teacups. But that's not all. Think about where Cuphead starts his journey. Elder Kettle's home. The only place that's away from town and completely surrounded by woods. Just like where the Moonshiners lived during the Prohibition Era. And right next to a water source. Coincidence? Maybe, but consider this. You ever wonder why Cuphead lives on an island? It seemed like a weird choice to me. That Inkwell is just a series of small interconnected landmasses all sharing the same name. Well, the size, shape, and general topography of Inkwell Island is actually fairly similar to the Bahamas, a series of closely connected islands just off the coast of Florida. Now, have you ever heard of Rum Row? It was an alcohol smuggling operation that ran between Florida and the Bahamas during the Prohibition. They were producing alcohol at the edges of the Bahamas and using boats to smuggle that booze into the mainland U.S. Now those boats around Inkwell start to seem like they have a real purpose. And it doesn't just end with a few geographic similarities. Let's stop for a minute and examine the fluid in Cuphead's head. Some have speculated that it could be a non-Newtonian fluid, the kind that acts like a liquid, but when force is applied to it, hardens like a solid. Others have said that it could be similar to the water of life that Japanese kappas have in their heads. But given the circumstances, it's incredibly unlikely that the fluid is something magical. It behaves just like any other liquid in the game. You see it splash when the characters are hit, or do anything that shifts from side to side. In the opening scene, they're kicked out of the casino, and we get the best view into Mugman's head and we see that the liquid is white. Seeing a white liquid makes you immediately think it's milk, right? Or eggnog, I guess? But that would be really weird. Well, it's not necessarily either of those. Researching animation techniques, you immediately learn that when drawing a clear liquid, white is the color of choice for just about any artist. Given this old-timey style of animation, one that doesn't use transparency, if they didn't color it in, it would just look incomplete. Or on the flip side, if they were to use blue, it would be more reminiscent of water. So cartoonists of this era tended to use white. In other words, yeah, it could be milk, but it could also just be any form of clear booze, specifically moonshine. Now consider this. Before a fight, the timid Mugman takes a huge gulp from his head to get himself pumped for battle. You're not taking a swig of milk and then suddenly being infused with courage and doing flips, but there is the stereotype of taking a stiff drink of liquid courage, alcohol, before a fight to get yourself all charged up. But for super solid evidence, we need to keep looking back to the past, but this time not as far back as the 1930s, instead back to 2015's trailer of Cuphead, where he pours white liquid from a jug marked with three X's into his head. Three X's, the mark of bootleg alcohol, a triple distilled jug of moonshine, which in 1930 is expressly outlawed. So there you have it. Our innocent heroes are actually no better than the devil in his casino. They're agents of one of the Prohibition Era's most nefarious sin industries distilling illegal booze with Elder Kettle in their secluded shack in the woods on the outskirts of Inkwell. Can't make it any more black and white than that, but the editors can. 
But hey, that's just a theory. A game theory. Thanks for watching.